Welcome to the Selling Without Sleeves podcast with me, Sarah Jolly Jarvis. I'm here to share with you real life stories from high performing salespeople and business owners, as well as my own insights and learnings around what's working well right now in the sales world, telling things like it is without the sleeves. Okay, I'm here today with Jessica Lorimer. Jess, I'm going to let you introduce yourself and talk a little bit more about what you do. But I'm basically, we're going to talk sales because... <laughs> We have been, actually, Jess and I started chatting over an hour and a half ago now. Um, so we decided to actually press the record button and, and actually do this live. So um, Jess, over to you, top line, what do you do? So I am very excited to be here. Also, I feel like we have way more than 90 minutes of extra material. So <laughs> grab, grab, grab a glass, like we're here. Um, I am a sales coach like you, uh, only I specialize in helping entrepreneurs sell to corporate organizations. So I teach people in you know mindset marketing, any service-based business, to sell their services to corporate organisations internationally. Nice. Okay. And why corporate? What made you like corporate so much? So, you know, I come from corporate, and we were talking about this before we jumped on. And my corporate career was the fun time in my life. Like I just loved it. And I always say to people, I was like, I'd have never left. I thought it was brilliant. Had I not been diagnosed with chronic illness and been told I couldn't work the hours, I would have stayed forever. I was like a fully paid up member of the Blackberry Club. I wore stilettos to work. Now I just wear random pajamas because I'm a waste of space. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's that kind of thing. I, I really loved it. And, you know, the, the companies I was working with when I was selling B2B in the corporate space was just really interesting. You know, I started out in profits uh, and public sector and then moved into technology and pharmaceuticals and financial services and ended up in luxury fashion, which was amazing. And I just think for people, it can be really hard to come and start selling online to other individuals who don't necessarily value their services. And, you know, they, they end up having that crisis of confidence or they end up undercharging because they're selling to people who don't necessarily understand their specialism or don't understand their expertise whereas when you're selling to corporates they get it and they want to pay you for it and they will pay you more for it yeah and it's actually more easier um you know again though i want to preface this with i'm an incredibly lazy person so i like simple fails and i got just sick of creating tons of broadcast content to try and sell things all the time when corporates it's very very proactive so it makes it a lot easier yeah it's a longer sell process though normally isn't it more decision makers yeah it's weird because what what my clients are seeing is that it's between two and four weeks from a sales process to go from beginning to actually having it signed off and mm-hmm. purchased. but you know it depends on who you're dealing with and also what problem you're trying to solve if you're you know trying to develop a huge licensed program for a company that's probably going to take a year to put together and to negotiate on and to get pricing for but if you're trying to deliver you know workshops executive coaching done for you marketing services that kind of thing we're seeing between two and four weeks for people just really making sure they're using a simple process nice okay so and is that do you think that's your clients leading that or do you think that that comes more from from because normally a lot of the time with corporates you tend to get involved into their process don't you so like before you know it you're drawn into proposals and everything else and I think that's what can put some people off is like oh wow like there's just so much involved with this I think that people worry because you know they think there's going to be a huge process but there doesn't actually need to be I think most people go with the corporate's process because that's what they are told to do and and they feel out of control yeah their business development 
stakeholders. So then they end up being like, okay, well, how do you want me to do this? Mm. And then the, the stakeholder will say, oh, well, you need to go through our PSL, yeah. you need to do this, you need to do that, blah, blah, blah. And that's not necessarily the case for a lot of corporate deals. So, you know, what my clients are doing is they're taking control of that process a lot earlier. And then what they're doing is saying to the stakeholder, this is what I'm going to do now. So instead of sitting back and going, what would you like me to do? They're saying, okay, so I'm going to come back to you with a proposal for this body of work by this date. And then you're going to take it to your budgetary committee and they're going to sign it off by this date. And if, if those timescales aren't adhered to, like, here's how we're going to manage that and follow up. And because they're doing it in that way, people move a lot quicker. So it's taking control of that sales process, isn't it? Rather than... Yeah, because it can be intimidating though, can't it? If you've got a big organisation, um, you know, we've done some work for, um, yeah, like it was a large supermarket or a chain. Um, and, you know, it's quite, you, you kind of get into their, you've just become part of their, all the cogs and everything else. And they, they set the pace, they set everything else. And so I think it can be quite intimidating to, to actually just push back on that a bit and, and actually question that norm, isn't it? A hundred percent. And I think, you know, because organizations, particularly when they're big brand names, you can sometimes get caught up in either, well, why would they buy from little old me? Mm. And the reality is that they will a hundred percent buy from smaller suppliers because they get a better service, they get a more tailored experience, they get better customer experience and care. But also people get caught up in with, oh, well, they must know best. You know, yeah. and, and it's a kind of age-old sales thing where the customer knows best. We know the customer doesn't no. know best. Like, there are very, very few times the customer knows best. <laughs> well, the thing that, is, like, you're an expert in your field. That's why they've come to you. So exactly. be the expert, isn't it? So that's the thing. So if you are telling them, well, in order to achieve this, we need to do this and this and this, you have to be confidently pushing back when they say, oh, well, maybe we can't make that happen or maybe we can just start with the entry point. You have to be the expert that shows up and says, well, no, yeah. you can do that if you want, that's your choice. But the reality is that you're not going to get the outcome that you're looking for. Are you okay with that as a consequence? And if they yes. are, great, fine, whatever. But if they're not, you're yeah. taking control of that situation and negotiating in a better way. Nice setting the scene there. Nice, <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice tools. I talk about, with clients, I talk about toolkits. So we create a toolkit of, of different things that they can do. So yeah, I'd be like, oh, that's a tool for your toolkit. <laughs> it's like, some way. You have to replay things in your head. Like I always say to my clients, one of the most effective like sales training tools that I've ever used is to just say my prices in the mirror. And people are like, why that's that's ridiculous and i'm like because if you can't say your prices to yourself mm. you cannot say them to anyone else and when people worry they're like oh i feel really nervous about talking about my prices i'm like well you shouldn't be because if you spend five minutes in the morning in front of your bathroom mirror and you're like this is my price and yeah. this is the transformation and da, da, da. Yeah. like and it's the value bit to it as well isn't it it's it's pointing out to yourself that's because i do this this is the outcome that i provide on a regular basis Exactly. I think people, especially selling online, I found that a lot harder and I did it for five years, um, selling B2C and, and teaching people to sell B2C. I think there's sometimes a miscommunication around value or transformation and price because people, you know, for years in the online space have gone, build it and they will come. And right. we're only just recognising apparently that that does not happen. <laughs> we are. <laughs> 
<laughs> the amount of ads that I see in my feed for like, you know, things, vacuum cleaners for your face, like they pull out the pores and things. I honestly, I go on Facebook ad binges all of the time. I just buy a load of crap that I don't need. But we, we see this problem and a disconnect between value and price because we also have to remember that people will only pay what they want for something or what they value. Yeah. And so your value and your transformation is actually not determined no. by the client or their priority or how they prioritize your service. It's determined by what you know it's actually worth. Yeah, yeah. And then get one of the right people. Right people. And that's become harder. Like, yeah. It's become a lot harder over the last few years. Well, I think I talk to clients about it being like a double sell. So you're selling, you know, actually the solution and then you're selling why you should be the provider of that solution. And then, you know, you are paving the way for somebody else to come along and be like, you know, if you're not strong enough on the why me bit, you've totally sold them. And loads of people, they literally, all they do is sell them the, the, you know, the service, not themselves as a supplier. And then somebody else will sort of tootle along when that person has transitioned in their head and then just mop up your sale. Um, And so... (laughs) And you're like, Thanks. <laughs> did you did you mention your USPs in that? You know, was like anything said, and it, and it's like that. The thing that's the thing you get so distracted by converting that person. And I mean, I you know I do the ads for the um, agency. I do the sales for the agency, and you know I actually don't enjoy speaking to people who haven't run ads before because I'm having to sell them the value of running ads and the you know what's involved you know people just think I'm just going to slap up an ad and then that will be that and it's like oh I'll get somebody else to slap the ad up for me and it's like they don't understand actually the work involved and what they're going to have to do still um as the client and and it's really it's that's really interesting so I quite I prefer it when someone's someone's worked with somebody shit and they actually want to work with someone decent that's what I like that's the thing so I would say to people if you have to drag somebody through the sales process you're going to have to drag them through the delivery process. So when people say to me, oh, well, why should I work with you instead of insert name of X, Y, Z person there? I'm like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not playing the justification game. If you want to work with me, you come to me pre-qualified, having been able to consume the variety of free content that I stick out on the internet every so often, and then you decide, is that the right person for me? Hmm. And then we talk, and I will tell you, yes, I can help you, or no, I can't. Like... When we're having sales calls, this is a two-way thing. And I think people get so worried. They're like, oh, but I've got to really impress the prospect. And actually, impressing the prospect comes with setting boundaries and saying, you're not in the right place to be on this call right now. Like, it seems like you need to go away and think about whether this is a viable strategy for your business or a viable investment for your business. And that's fine. When you've done that, then come back to me and we can have a chat about what we actually need to do to get you to the goal and I think people they worry about saying that they worry about having a transparent conversation because they're like but what if they say no well they will come back Mm -hmm. because in six months time they'll have either done one of two things they'll have gone to somebody else who was terrible but converted them into a client and they'll have had a terrible experience and they won't have got the results they wanted because they didn't know what they wanted yeah all they'll away and thought about it and come back to you because you're the only person brave enough to say actually right now come back when you are like it's it's only gonna work out well either way yeah and I think that's what I find also when people are you know they don't treat people very nicely so you know you you I'm I'm a client I'm a potential customer you're supposed to woo me and it's like I, I remember being in a job interview and I was almost like it was for the final company that I worked for um before I disappeared off into the online world and um, and I was very much like I was sat in this interview and this this the person I found out afterwards 
um, when I got to know them that they were very much priding themselves on their sort of I don't really give a tossy the way kind of attitude that they interviewed with I was sat there thinking if they're all arrogant twats like you I don't want to work here and <laughs> and it's really interesting because you know it's a two-way sales is a two-way thing you know when you're in an interview you're selling yourself but equally like do you actually particularly when you're working in coaching and stuff like that do you actually want to work with this person if this person has an attitude with you and this is the thing like before we hit record we were talking about likability and i was saying you know that the people i see out there who are the worst salespeople are people who just aren't likable mm. and it's not like you have to be you know when we're talking about likability it doesn't mean you have to be like perky sue and you have to be really friendly and really happy oh really agreeable <laughs> yeah, exactly. i will only ever say yes to you because you're the customer have what you want including the shirt off my back like that's how that works but there has to be an element of you know humanity yeah. that comes in playing the sales process and so everybody has a personality what i don't understand is why people don't use them now so you know maybe you're the funny one maybe mm. you're the I, i'm known in my friendship group as being the harsh one like i'm very direct about the feedback yeah. i give to everybody it's not a discriminatory thing like if you're my friend i'll give you harsh feedback yeah. if you're my client i'm going to give you harsh feedback it's it's all good because it's good for you <laughs> term you might thank me (laughs) you've got to pick your you've got to pick your personality you've got to actually use that and I think what we see at the moment is so many people trying to embody other people's personalities yeah wonder why their sales process isn't working and I'm like well it's because the the your content and then when they actually meet you on the call if you're the extrovert online you're putting out all this content and you're you know always really like swearing all the time and doing all this kind of stuff and then they meet you and you're actually like this really diminutive yeah little person super calm never say boo to a goose they're gonna be like well who who am i buying from like which yeah which person because i was attracted to this and that's not what i've ended up with yeah yeah I think that's the thing is is there's a lot you know you have the sort of some some sales gurus out there who you know they are like this is how I sell this is how you should sell and people leave that room being a mini version of that person and it's like I I speak to people who are like should I put out funny stuff should I put out a funny introductory letter (laughs) and and that's it I'm like what's to be fair but that's really awkward though isn't it I'm like do you think that's your natural style because you're like because the thing is is you know you can easily just you missell yourself at the end of the day if you're not being true to yourself again particularly if you're going to end up it's different if you're selling somebody a product because at the end of the day their buying experience the actual implementation is going to be with the product not with you but if they're going to be working with you and they're expecting this forthright person who's no messing and then you turn up and you're like as you say some sort of wouldn't say boo to a goose kind of person how's that going to work because they've decided they can work with you based on the personality they've seen during that sales process so we all know that there is nothing that will screw your business quicker than not being able to deliver or not delivering at the expected capacity or in the expected style so you know if you're going out there and you're marketing in a certain way because that's what you've been told is going to work and let's face it like you know there is no one way to do anything in life (laughs) but like if you're doing it that way and then you deliver differently yeah that's when it becomes out of integrity you know when people say to me they're like oh but Jeff you know selling's really sleazy don't you feel bad about being a salesperson well no because my style as a salesperson is to be very transparent and so always I'm saying to my audience I'm like look here's this generic free content 
it's going to get you to a certain position and that's yeah. great but if you are the kind of person who needs more support who isn't able to troubleshoot a sales problem because you're not a sales expert that's fine then you need to buy this yeah and and that you know and i say it quite openly on my podcast i talk about it all the time i'm like look the first three to five minutes of any show is mine for me promote whatever i'm selling (laughs) (laughs) because then you're going to get 25 to 30 minutes of free content that's going to be really valuable and really good and so actually the first three to five minutes it's absolutely my right to sell transparently and openly because that's much better than me hitting you up in a facebook message going you've got a dog i've got a dog we should connect and like have a coffee to talk about our dogs and you're like what do you want from me yeah just just like just sell me the just tell me like back on (laughs) and quick before i block you and how disgusted I look right now. <laughs> but, uh, but it's true. You know, because I've been doing it for so many years and I, I've got to the point where now I would respond and I'm like, clearly you want to pitch me something. Just do that. Yeah. That's cool. I, I, I love being pitched stuff because I'm a salesperson, so I love a pitch. I love buying things. Like, I see Facebook ads all the time and spend money on things that I didn't even want or know existed because I like doing that. So if you're going to anyone and impress them it's going to be me but when you aren't like confident enough to directly approach me and confidently say to me hey jess i don't really know you that well but i read this and i thought maybe your copy could be improved and actually that happens to be what i do would you like to have chats about it if you're not confident in your service why should i be yeah because you're having to get me onto a call under false pretenses to try and tell me something. And there you are thinking you're going to talk about your dog. And you know, yeah. how depressing <laughs> is that? Like, come along, have a chat, bring my dog. And, you know, you just want to sell me copywriting services because you think my content's not so, that good. Like, so are you all right with people dropping into DMs as long as they're really upfront with what they're doing? Because, yeah. yeah. I, I would rather that because at least then I know. And... I think the thing that we miss about sales and the reason people don't like it is they don't like the hard sell, right? Nobody likes being told, oh yeah, but your objection doesn't matter. And that's what we're doing when we're trying to overcome objections with, well, you should just do it this way. That's what we're saying. Your objection is invalid and it doesn't matter. (laughs) What we could be doing is asking for permission, right? And part of asking for permission is being transparent enough in the first place so that somebody can say to you, oh actually, yeah actually yes i might need help with that that's great let's talk about it or no and at the point that they say no and you have you stop it's absolutely okay to go oh right no problem <laughs> out of interest if you ever do decide to move forward with your marketing or this or that give me a call or would you like me to check in in six months and just see how you're getting along what you don't need to do is go well yeah but you really need it yes <laughs> this is rubbish and that's rubbish like nobody's endeared to you at that point no. <laughs> they don't want to spend any more time with you but yeah i think you can absolutely with a strategy just be very transparent about what it is that you actually want from that person because yeah. i think that's that's the thing that i you know perplexes me the most is when people start and they start in a conversation and this has been like when a friend rings up and you're like this is really nice but was there a 
was there a point in you ringing do you know what I mean like you because I go straight into the structuring call you know even if like I'm just ringing a friend I'm just like you know I'm just ringing to let you know I'm just ringing for a chat or you know because otherwise you spend the entire time thinking oh is there a is there a point to this because this is nice but there's no point and that's the thing with when they drop into dms I mean I get people who I have have, (laughs) I'm not as nice as you you see I have an actual like um thing that I now copy and paste in um telling them that actually you might want to try a different approach (laughs) you write things like I have a course on it you should buy it (laughs) the thing is I don't but I feel like I should maybe that's what I should do and then I should just be like copy you know go onto this link I'll give you a discount I could just be like this is this was really bad so I'm I don't mind giving you much more of a discount for this one because you need it um but no it's, it's it's very much like I just it really perplexes me. I don't know why. I just think it's just so unsolicited and it's very, it, it, it's, it's the equivalent on the internet of, of knocking on people's doors, um, which thankfully, actually, this lockdown has stopped because um, yeah. we were still getting like people knocking on our doors trying to sell us stuff. Um, so that's quite, quite, that's a plus point. Um, but I think, yeah, it, it's, it's you, you are nicer, like, yeah, at the end of the day people do need to sell but for me I, I'm, I'm like ooh, I'd rather you structure it in a different way where somebody's actually put their hand up and remotely said they're interested because it's very cold isn't it you know and I think there's a difference between platforms so on Facebook I I think there is no not necessarily like positive ways to sell <laughs> that doesn't agree with me obviously but I don't think <laughs> is that a snore yeah yeah, that's him snoring. He's just falling out of his little dog bed, and now he's like. He okay, sounds like a dog. door. I thought a door was opening. I was like, wow, you need some WD forty on your dog. <laughs> he does need that. Um, but no, I don't think on Facebook there's necessarily a positive way to sign somebody's DMs. Especially, it depends on what you're selling, doesn't it? Mm. Because people often sign into my messages, and they will go, "Hey Jess, I'm selling this new health product that can help you lose weight." And in my brain, what I hear is, hey, Jess, you looked a little bit fat on your latest photo. Have this diet drink. And I'm like, "Mm, probably not going to go well. But on LinkedIn, because it's a professional networking site, and as you're talking about mutually beneficial relationships there, my clients see a lot of success contacting stakeholders directly because they're saying, look, you know, I know that you're responsible for this area. This is what I'm an expert in. I'd love to have a chat with you about how you're managing xyz situation yeah. and that stake thing can go well we've got this handled or yes i'd love to talk to you or actually we're just thinking about strategy for that so yeah let's get on the phone or they can mm. say i'm not the right person you know you you need to go and talk to somebody else or, or this person actually is, is looking after that pro- project or, or whatever that looks like it's a very different platform it is it, a different platform isn't it yeah yeah and that's the thing whereas facebook i think because it's personal everything you try and sell on there somebody's going to take personally you know so if, yeah. if somebody approaches you and says oh i think you need some mindset work you're going to go oh okay well am i just not resilient enough or am i just not this enough or if somebody says you know um oh i think i think your marketing needs improvement you just go oh well my marketing must be shit then um and, and that's not really yeah. the impression you want to give people so i think platform has a lot to do with it you've got to really set up a decent process on facebook yeah. Like you say, to make sure that you're qualifying the leads before you're before just you actually, Yeah. Yeah. They've, Whereas, they've, even if they've just liked a relevant post, you know, something which gives you an inkling that it's just not totally left field. I think, you know, you're right. It's a bit like 
you know, LinkedIn's a bit like a networking event where you would go and the expectation is you're talking business. I think Facebook is like a dinner party or, you know, a social gathering, a social event where it is a little bit more unpalatable to just start banging on about, I I could really help you. I mean, on that note, I do know of someone who he was a little chunky at one point who they had, they had three or four people jump into their inbox telling them that they think they could help them. And I was like, that, that is just rude. Like you, you probably can. That person is clearly a little bit chunkier than they have been historically, but how is that ever going to go well? Well, this is the thing that I don't understand is that, you know, people seem to think it's not offensive. I'm like, no, it actually kind of is offensive um, and, and you probably shouldn't do it. I think, you know, it comes back to that idea of likability, doesn't it? You know, if people don't like you, they won't buy from you. Yeah. And, and it's not that you have to be agreeable or that you never have to challenge people on, on anything they're doing. Mm. But it comes down to are you delivering that message in the right way? Yeah. And so there's a big difference between approaching somebody on Facebook and being like, wow, you're looking a bit chunky these days. Do you want to buy this? Um, because that's, you know, offensive and, and yeah. not necessarily likable. Or somebody, you know, creating a post about like fitness yeah. or, you know, how difficult it is to stay fit during lockdown and that person liking it and then reaching then out. Then you go in, oh, I saw you liked it let me know if you ever want any help on that and that's the that's the recipe that I tend to go with people because to be fair I tell when people <laughs> my opening line on my you know cut and paste response is this this act this action is is really lazy it's a very lazy yeah. way to sell um you know you're not getting to know your ideal customer at all you don't you know how am how am I your ideal customer based on my profile picture you've been friends with me five minutes and it's like you know it's that sort of thought process that actually just let that poor person go you know what maybe I am stacking it a bit before you go well I'm gonna help you lose that weight <laughs> so, so it's that hard to make that judgment call when you don't know somebody and I think mm-hmm. you know, what we always miss is that people make all these assumptions I, I mean I don't get many of these messages I think it's maybe because I make it quite clear I'm just I'm that type of person I'm like if you send me that message that's fine but it's on you what happens it's like <laughs> how I react on any given day is completely your problem um but you know I I think we have to start looking at that whole phrase around people buy from people and what we're really saying is people buy from other human beings who understand the concept of humanity and who can have a simple conversation and that's what people don't understand about sales sometimes is that sales inherently is not logical it's about can you hold a decent conversation with another person? And if you can, you're probably going to be quite good at selling stuff because you can develop rapport, you can ask questions, you can listen and you can respond. If you're somebody who approaches sales from like a numbers perspective, you are going to be the person who's spamming the internet with stuff and is quite likely unsuccessful because you forgot about the human element of the whole thing, which is, you know, did you actually ask them a question about what they were struggling with and did you listen to what they were struggling with? Because, you know, <laughs> I think that's the problem yeah, with sales. Right? They're like, oh yeah, but I know you said your problem was with marketing, but it's not really. And you should buy this this course on like learning to be an F1 driver. And you're like, no, I don't, I don't think so. And it's like active listening is a skill, yeah. people. You know, we should embrace that. And, and, and to be fair, extroverts, because as far as training people's concerned, I prefer to train extroverts to be sales people rather than in uh, wrong way around introverts I prefer to I prefer to train introverts who'll shut up and listen 
and actually yeah. they've already honed that skill whereas the yeah. extroverts you are like let the customer talk and it's like the customer gives an inkling just a tiny inkling and and i remember in my training they'd give me a tiny little inkling that that's what they were interested in and i was like boom i'd like jump on them <laughs> sort of like it was a pounce and i'd be like and this and this and this and this and they were like woo and you could see your customers were like wow um you're like you said the key word <laughs> you've opened up the product information box <laughs> kind of thing isn't it I think people worry about like everybody sells so much on features and you know look guys humans and I I absolutely include myself in this we're not that bright like (laughs) we're just not and if you try and sell us on logic humans don't really do that many logical things we don't make tons of decisions from there and so when people try to sell from features they're like oh you're going to get access to this Facebook group great something else that's going to suck up a bunch of my time like that's how we're thinking whereas when you say like you're going to get additional support privately from me i'm going to be able to do review your proposal and so that you can make sure you're creating something converts it's got a better chance of success with clients those are the benefits and people want to hear the benefits i want to watch a facebook ad that promises me that if i buy that face planner or whatever i'm going to look like kate moss I know that logically there is no way in hell I'm ever going to look like Kate Moss. But you know what? I want to have the hope and yeah. inspiration. Well, it, people buy I... emotionally, don't they? Like, if you, you know, they're, they're using that emotion and it's an emotional purchase. You know, the vast, particularly the spontaneous things. Um, you know, it, it's on, on a, you know, it's regular basis. It's their emotion and it's the energy. And you've got to, with a sale, when sales die, it's because people haven't kept that energy up. And, and, you know, they start and, and, and I'm like, people bridge the gap. I mean, like, I'm quite fortunate in that there's, <laughs> people tell me stuff and literally nothing goes on in my head. Like that's, I'm yeah. like, okay. Um, you know, there's no gap bridging. When pe- people are providing you with features, I'm like, okay. And it's like, you're expecting that person to then bridge the gap between the feature to actually figure out how that's going to work for them. And, you know, as you say, people are fundamentally lazy. They need that information provided to them. Like, otherwise, you know, their head could go off on all sorts of different tangents. You know, you need to be uber, you know, spoon feeding the information. You do. And also you have to be actually interested in it and believe in it. You know, the thing that a lot of people do, they, they get so nervous about selling something that they forget how passionate they are about it. And I mean, when people ask me about my business, I will literally bore people to death about it. I'll go on and on and on until someone tells me to shut up, which my friends do regularly. So, you know, they're, they're living the dream. Um, but I, I talk about it for ages and can because mm. I actually care about it. Yeah. So when somebody asks me, oh, bless, how's your business going? They're going to get like a, an 80 minute download on, and I did this and I worked with this client. It was really cool and blah, blah, blah. And we achieved this and blah, blah, blah. And then when somebody gets on a sales call, like with somebody who doesn't like selling, they'll go, oh, um, so so what's your what's your product or what's your service? And that person will go, oh yeah, well it's, it's like a six part course and it will teach you this and it's much money. Yeah, and, and, and it's just, I just I just do this. And I'm like, no, no, no justing. Exactly, don't, don't justify, don't diminish it. Like you did something really cool. You put in all of this effort and all of this time to create something amazing. Why are you not waxing lyrical about it? Why are you not talking about it until your customer is like, oh my God, please take my money. Like I, you, you don't need to sell me anymore. I want in. And that's what people miss is that if you're not excited about your product or your service, 
and you're trying to sell it to people from this place of almost disinterest because yeah. you're so nervous about it. Yeah. You need to start practicing it. You need to start getting that conversation, you know, flowing yeah. either with yourself in the mirror or you need to be practicing on more people because people shouldn't leave your call thinking, oh, you know, Jess doesn't sound interested in what she does at all. Like, I'm not going to buy from her. Um, they, they should be leaving, even if they don't buy from you, they should be leaving thinking, oh my God, they, you know, Sarah really knew her staff. She was really yeah. excited about what she does. You know, I it's, might not invest right now, but she she's going to be the one that I can go to when I do. Exactly. Well, that's, I was talking to someone the other day and it's that energy, you know, people buy from people, people get caught up in your enthusiasm. If you haven't got that energy, um, you know, an energy in a call is really important. And if you're going lower and they're going lower, you don't bring it back up and it all peters away. Um, and I was speaking to somebody the other day and I was like, she, she would look very, you know, like the way she, she, she was dressed lovely. Um, but she was very, she looked very timid. And I said, oh, tell me about what you do. Oh my God. She like, her posture changed. Her like, it was amazing. And her hands were going and she was looking so confident. And I was like, I want to buy whatever you do because like you are so passionate about it that there is no question in my head that you would give a really good service and you do you know the best you could for that client because you are so passionate about it um that yeah if I ever need what she was offering I would definitely definitely 100% use her because it just her enthusiasm for it came across and I was like you know Salespeople are easy to sell to, but I'm like, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm sold. Yeah, I'm like, I'm done. The enthusiasm covers a multitude of mistakes, yeah. and and that's the thing. I think people, we sometimes we worry about the sales process because we're people want a prescription. Yeah. Like, what should I say? If they say this, what do I say next? What question should I ask to get this report? And honestly, guys, like you worry about it way too much because the reality is enthusiasm and transparency and honesty yeah. go a long way in as well of course so if somebody asks you the question you don't know the answer just say i'm don't not sure you. i can look that up for you or i can look into it for you would you be happy for me to come back to you on that point later on or in two days time or whatever that's going to be or if you're enthusiastic and the customer's like oh yeah but you've just tripped over your words and you know now you are spluttering and you look a little bit awkward they won't care because they'll recognize, oh, you were enthusiastic enough to talk about mm-hmm. the brick going a mile a minute and your mouth just couldn't catch up. Like, those things are fine. Yeah. We want about those things, but half the time they don't happen anyway. So then, you know, <laughs> instead of trying to prescribe, like, what exactly should I say on a call and at what minute should I mention the money part and, you know, oh, how should I... price and money. Yeah, <laughs> transparent about it. Be okay with the fact that you're probably not the cheapest in the market you know i always say this to my customers i'm like i'm not the cheapest do i get the best results yeah in, in my area of expertise could i necessarily get those results if i was trying to train people on how to sell i don't know combine harvesters probably not you know I, it's not something i care about it's not not a sales process door-to-door sales is not my area of expertise if you want to sell to corporates 100 like i am your girl I don't see what's wrong with telling people that. Yeah. Because I'm really good at it. It's one of the only things in my life that I am really good at. So <laughs> perhaps just be a little bit more proud of those things, you know, and, and start owning the bits yeah. that we're good at and not trying to sell things that we're not good at. Oh my you know, God. Yeah. I don't know whether you can see this online, but I see so many people who are 
they're great at one thing you know maybe they're a health coach or something and this is the example i always use so if you're a health coach i'm sorry but i use pt yeah you know health coaches are the ones they often end up they're a really good health coach and they specialize in something great and then they come online and like baby business coaches will be like oh that won't sell uh you should be selling something that makes people money not health coaching and i'm like oh for the love of god and so you get a health coach who's then suddenly a business coach mm-hmm. and then <laughs> we course where we want build your brand and two is yeah. figure out your website and blah blah and all this crap and then they wonder why they're not making money and i'm like because you're not selling something yeah. you're actually good actually good at it's very, very hard to sell something I think it's very easy online to get distracted because you're exposed to that and and what's perceived you know we when you start actually talking to people and working with people you're like oh actually they're not doing as well as you think they are and I think that's the thing is is lots of people look at people and think oh they're doing better than me so I'm just going to do that I could do that and it's like PTs they start doing more nutrition stuff and then they start doing other stuff and I'm like just just stick to what you're good at own what you're good at and and you know speak to who are you trying to work with and this is my thing it's like my conversations so often come down to who do you actually want to work with who can you have an impact with and they don't want to niche down like they're like everybody and it's like well it can't be everyone you're not talking to a 20 year old in the same way as you speak to a 60 year old you know it's just totally different and I was it's very I think it's a very easy online to get distracted and be the next shiny object, the next thing. And, and oh my God, if I see another business coach, I mean, the amount of business coaches just, I feel like there's I mean, more business coaches than businesses. There's a lot of business coaches out there who've never worked in a business or had one. <laughs> like, and I'm just like, sorry, please tell me how you're doing this because I've spent a good 10 years working for companies, setting up sales divisions around the world, selling, being a top performer, but but please, you tell me how you have never had a business, never worked in a business, but you tell me how you're going to improve mine. And, and it is, it's, it's amazing. a really big way, but it's true. I'm not going to take advice off of you. You know, somebody said to me the other day, oh, I want to work with six-figure um, six earners. And I said, oh, great, what do you know about it? Well, well, I don't need to know anything. And I was like, well, I'm sorry, but I wouldn't put my revenue in the hands of somebody who's just like, well, they're just going to pay me more. I was like, you'd have to talk to problems that I would specifically have, you know, around profit margins and, you know, bottom line revenue and, and scaling and all sorts of <laughs> investment, stock portfolios, that kind of thing. And they're like, well, yeah, but they'll obviously just need like to look at their ideal client again and, and build their website. And I'm like, no, that's that's not wow. how this is going to work. Have you got their number? <laughs> <laughs> we sit in the in the sales world and, and people really really dislike salespeople yeah. because we have such a bad rap for you know great films like wolf of wall street and the glenn Barry, glenn ross and all this kind of thing and i'm just like the, the great thing about salespeople is one we all have a personality you may yeah. or may not like it but we all have one and we're all okay with actually being who we are. I think that's a really common thread that I see with good salespeople is that they know who they are as people yeah. and they 
are not different. They're not different on your sales call. They're not different when it's being delivered. They're not different in their content. I think that's the mark of a really good salespeople, a salesperson is somebody who's confident enough to be who they are. I think that's getting to that position, isn't it? You know, like you can see it, that it's in a, people evolve into that rather than start. Like it's very rare you get somebody with internet marketers all day who are always telling you there's something wrong with you then you're probably not going to feel very confident like that's the thing isn't it if you you know i think there's a horrible dichotomy online where you know if you're running an online business you are always spending time with internet marketers and you know that's fine internet marketers are great people look i'm an internet marketer it's cool but the reality is when you spend all of your time with internet marketers is they will always give you a bias on something that is wrong or that you're doing wrong yeah. or the you know, next big thing, you know, like, oh, YouTube is the next big thing. Now TikTok, everyone's doing TikTok videos. And I'm like, I'm too old. I'm 30 years old and I'm definitely not attractive enough and not young enough to be on that platform. And I'm not going to buy anything from no. that. No. We're always being surrounded by the stuff that we're being told we're doing wrong. Yeah. And so instead of actually looking at, okay, well, what am I good at? Yeah. And, you know, what personality can I bring to the table? And where do I want to focus? And where do I want to specialize? Everyone's going, oh, yeah, well, I should do that because I'm going to be better. I should do that. Yeah, yeah. it's always what you're missing out on. It's always what yeah. you're missing. It's always what you're lacking. And it's like, actually, there's, yeah, there's enough of, of what you've got. Build on what you've got. I mean, it's, yeah. It's foundations, isn't it? When you create this business, I mean, you and Martin, you've created an epic business over the last couple of years and and you've been really financially successful in a short period of time. Yeah. The reality is you've done what you were good at. Yeah. And and you've stuck with that. And unlike a lot of other people who've gone, okay, yeah, I can launch some Facebook ads, great. Now I'm going to launch a Facebook ads course and then I'm going to launch an Instagram ads course and then I'm going to go and launch a TikTok course and then I'm going to do that. Like, when you do that, your audience contrary to popular opinion they don't sit there and think oh well i must go and buy all those other courses because i must go and do those things they go ah that feels really diluted and i don't know what that person's going to be selling next and then are they really the expert that they say they are because a minute ago they were doing this and And it's very phasey and you can't be right about all these platforms you know like people are very much like oh facebook it's going to have its day and i'm like yeah it will i'm not going to argue one of these days something will improve on it something will get better but at the moment it's the best you know as far as we 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 do ads onto other platforms instagram facebook youtube but i was like but you can't get the data back and until somebody comes with something that provides the amount of data back on you know people talk about linkedin and we're like we do not touch linkedin (laughs) like we're we're very unapologetically not touching LinkedIn, um, because yeah, an advertising platform LinkedIn not good. No, no. <laughs> I love LinkedIn, but just but, but just not as an advertising platform because you you send it off. You might as well be putting it in a newspaper. You know the the data you get back on Facebook can really help you shape and understand who your customer is, um, and that's the thing is I put up my first Facebook ad the other week. <laughs> Yay! I know I was like wow I've never done this before this is boring and um and it was 
like I have to do how many clicks? Again, when I was talking to you about different interfaces, I was like, this is just too much. And um, I was like, why is it not more user-friendly? It's so clunky. Um, and he was like, well, you know, you get used to it. Obviously, Martin's coaching me through this scenario with me asking 101 questions about the same thing. And um, But it was really interesting that, you know, my appreciation for the data that we can talk through the clients and we can act on. I'm just like, this is amazing. And people are like, oh, do you run ads? No. <laughs> it was the only reason I'd purpose sodding ad for my my sales training was because I'm so tired of waiting for the guy who should be doing it to do it for me that I was like I'm going to do this (laughs) I know he's still out (laughs) you know I think people underestimate like what's that phrase um people hate being sold to but they love to buy things And this is the thing, we underestimate the fact that, especially right now, you know, everyone's talking about coronavirus killing the economy. I'm like, people are sat at home with more disposable income than ever. They're bored out of their minds because they're not used to being stuck at home. Of course, they're going to be buying stuff. They're going to be buying stuff to entertain themselves. They're going to be buying stuff to educate themselves. They're going to be buying stuff because they've got nothing else to do with the day and they're just like... Yeah, anything to make this more bearable. And that's the thing is, is we've got, you know, like, we've got e-commerce clients that are killing it right now it's amazing because you know some people have had to shut up shop some people have chosen to shut up shop and you know it i think out of this you know people are always like oh you always get people taking advantage and i think there was so much about that around to start off with i was so annoyed i felt like i was constantly on that soapbox um of you know like actually if you if you're still meeting people's needs then why wouldn't you be selling there's nothing wrong with it you're not taking advantage of it but you know people people are always going you're always going to have the critics but are you selling to your critics no were they ever going to buy from you ever probably not who are we taking criticism from like and and this is a big thing that i see online and and my friend uh janet murray she put up a really nice instagram post the other day and it was something like um only take criticism from people you take advice from or something like that i i have a slightly different method of doing it but i i have the three f's and i always say to people if you are not feeding me financing me or fucking me your opinion is irrelevant to me (laughs) and so that helps me negotiate with the internet in a very nice way because i'm like are you doing any of those things and if you are not i don't really care and it's not in a nasty way but it's that a lot of the time you know we're taking advice daily and we're consuming so much information daily but consuming information from people who may not be Mm. successful themselves in the area that you want to be or people who are hugely biased in in some way or another, you know, or taking advice from people who literally have no idea what your problem is and are just kind of pacifying you or staring forward. How is that useful? You yeah. know, and, and should we really be listening to those people when we make key business decisions? And we all know that the answer is no, and yet people do it anyway. Yeah. You know? And if you look at big businesses, one of the reasons that they do survive and, and thrive through crisis is because they don't look around and say oh look everyone is slating us on the internet for shutting mcdonald's drive throughs which fyi i'm very upset about i know i was really shocked i was like what on earth i thought they would be like one of the last things to close and costa shut their drive through as well i was like what on earth i don't have to get out the car you could have put things on a long stick how many people though will be queuing up at drive throughs as soon as they come back McDonald's have played this so well. Instead of listening to, you know, the the general public and and then being like, but it doesn't matter, it's all good, just (laughs) throw it out. Like instead of that, 
instead of doing that and instead of looking at all their competitors who are now mm. opening stores around the country they've gone no when it's completely safe or when we've met the, these government mm. guidelines then we're going to open it and, and that's what we're going to do and as soon as they do it i will be first in that group like i can't <laughs> wait for them to open up i'm like get me my chicken legend like, off we go <laughs> respect the brand they'll have actually yeah. done them favor. they might have short-term sales loss now but then they're going to have a massive massive influx yeah. of sales they're going to have new customers they're going to have new customers who trust them because they've put a process in place and they've spent time practicing that process unlike other providers who have just yeah. kind of gone yeah well we'll just open up should be fine like <laughs> we'll, we'll wing it it'll be all right work, yeah. we'll give it a go and, and and that's the thing you know you have to be thinking when you're taking advice, take it from the right people. Yeah. And, you know, in a way that is tailored to your business, generic advice given on the internet is not necessarily going to work out in the same way for you because you don't have the ability to troubleshoot it. You don't no. have the ability to ask for support when you need it. And so you're going to find that generic advice will get to you a slightly skewed yeah. result. Because I, I think it's the confidence, isn't it? Because that's why I talk to clients when clients are saying to me, "What do I give away for free? What do I pay, what do we make people pay for?" And and it's very much well, you know, it's having that confidence to translate that information to your actual specific scenario to your business, and that's where a lot of people are willing and wanting to pay to get that extra support. Well, this is the thing. I mean, people don't pay for information; we pay for implementation, mm-hmm. and and that's the thing, you know. It's so interesting to me that there are millions of people on the internet every single day consuming information. I'm one of them. You know, I read the news. Like little Pac-Men. <laughs> and we're just like, oh, okay, cool. Well, that's that's fine. Then off we go. And, and how many people actually do anything with it? Because yeah. when we analysed with, with my audience, and there was a year in, I think it was 2016, I did 400 hours worth of free Facebook Lives in my Facebook community. Mm. 400 hours quite a lot we continued sending out two email newsletters a week we continued with social media content and at the end of that year people asked me if I was going to continue doing it and I said no and a lot of them got very upset they were like but that's not fair because we want you to bring us this free stuff and I was like here's the thing in an entire year and 400 hours one person had gone away and implemented for free one out of thousands and I was yeah. just like, yeah. that's the unicorn. That person yeah. is the unicorn who actually went away and did something. But yet all of my clients who had stepped up and invested mm-hmm. in themselves and you know actually paid to learn a skill, they had all been getting results. They had a really high profit rate. But all these people who were just playing around, they're like, oh no, I'm not yeah. going to invest in it. Not yet. I'm going to wait for this. I'm going to wait for that. That's all think, cool. I don't touch it. Yeah. That's but it. It's investment, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. that, because I always talk about you have to have some sort of buy-in, resources or time. And it's like, if they're not bought in, that's why giving stuff away for free at the moment is just crazy, because no one's valuing it. You're not valuing it. Yeah, adding to the noise. I mean, yeah. all these people who came out and they said, and it was really funny, and I must have looked like this really awful like harbinger of doom, because people came out and they're like, yeah, I'm going to give away all this stuff for free because I think people deserve it because of coronavirus. Coronavirus is very sad, don't get me wrong. I think it's an awful, awful thing. However, giving away all your services does not make you a better person. Because guess what? If you give a load of stuff away for free and you're not selling anything, you're not 
contributing to the economy. So actually, what you're doing is not earning the money that you could be paying in taxes for the NHS to support mm-hmm. them. You're not actually paying your mortgage, which then you know impacts potential on a mortgage lender and their ability to hire people and you know have to furlough yeah. their team. Not contributing to the supermarket economy, so you know potentially you're not getting fed, but also that puts other people at risk. There's a huge chain reaction yeah. here that people don't see, and so they justify, well, giving stuff for free with me helping or is me making an impact. And I'm like, there's no, not necessarily no. a good impact that you're making. If, if we actually look at the chain reaction of events, you not getting paid does not equal other people being successful and the thing is is that if you're not getting paid in the short term then in the longer term it's not a viable business so you're not even going to be there so then all the people that could have used your services going forwards which may have been in a much more needy position than the people you're faced with now it's not you don't exist anymore and that's the thing you know people if people ask and somebody emailed me about this and it's a great question they said do you feel guilty for still making money during coronavirus and I said no because when coronavirus happened the first thing I said to my audience was I'm going to carry on as normal because I still have a team to pay and I still have bills to pay and I still have taxes to pay and all of these things and the worst thing the biggest disservice I could do to myself to my business to my team would be to go oh well I'm just not going to sell anything then because I don't want other people to feel bad about it we went on we had a six-figure launch you know with something that I, I planned anyway and, and I was very open. I was like, this is the, the launch that I've been planning since December. Yeah. We're going to run it as normal in April. We'll put out great free content. It will still be valuable as normal. But I'm also going to sell this thing. Join it if you know it's for you. If it's not, don't join it. Wait until yeah. the next time. All yeah. good. You know, no one's, I think that's the thing is no one's forcing people to buy right now. It's, you know, no, it, it, not. you're not, you're not, because I, I did a bit of a flow chart. Yeah. Where I was like, you know, if you're putting things up that people really need and you're taking advantage of people, different. You know, I think that's a little bit unethical to raise prices when you don't need to. If your costs are higher, then that's different. Um, you know, if you're genuinely helping somebody, um, then why, why wouldn't you keep going? I just find it, it was it was a very weird, it's a, this has been a very interesting, I find it quite interesting from almost like a social experiment point of view, just to see how people respond. Because some people are like, you know, as far as news feeds are concerned with, with Facebook and other platforms, some people have gone nuts, other people have held themselves together, some people are being so proactive. I'm in awe of them. Um, you know, it's amazing that the different responses that people have. Um, because I think it's, you know, when was the last time a world war was the last time that people were put under this level of pressure all at the same time? And it's so, it's really interesting because people, I mean, coronavirus is different in that it's a health pandemic. We haven't had one of those for, for a long while. Spanish but, flu? Well, the 1918, I think. Yeah, yeah something like that, yeah. What, 100 years ago? Literally, like 102 years ago. <laughs> Good timing there, nature. <laughs> we've, had, we've had recessions before. We've had yeah. all of these problems relatively recently and the great thing at the moment is that the economy is okay and so actually if you stop selling all Mm. that happens the economy goes down and then we have bigger problems like we have way bigger problems if the economy goes down and we have um you know the, the kind of covid outbreak so i think we always have to think about sales you know and you say this and i say this Selling is serving. If you genuinely believe in what you do, if you genuinely know that you can help people get results, if you genuinely are passionate about it, then you absolutely 
are serving both your client, yeah. yourselves as a business owner and making sure you can pay your bills, but also the, the worldwide economy. And that's a big deal. You know, that, yeah. that is a big deal. But if you are somebody who's, who chooses not to sell, equally, that means you don't get to berate people that are. Yeah. Because arguably, from my perspective, if you choose not to sell, that is absolutely on you. That is absolutely your decision. That's cool. Yeah. But what we don't do is get to pick on people who are keeping the economy stable, who are supporting yeah. themselves, who are supporting teams of people. That that isn't then something you get to comment on because no. you have removed yourself from the situation. So when yeah. people worry about, oh, well, people are trolling me and they're saying that, you know, I shouldn't be selling during this time, I'm like, they've made their choice. Yeah. That's all. You just ignore their comments because they're irrelevant. They're, they're made by yeah. people who have other concerns they've opted they've opted themselves out and that's their choice exactly as Renee Brown said if you're not in the ring you know you're not part not part of the fight I think that's the thing that they should probably have said stay at home and keep buying that's what the message should have been shouldn't it though really stay at home stop the spread and keep buying to save the economy well well this is the thing I mean we look at it and I was reading an article the other day and it was great and it was talking about companies that are inadvertently and the title was companies that are inadvertently thriving through the yeah. crisis and and I was I, I talked to my client about this um a few weeks before it all happened I was like well there are going to be some companies that do really well yeah and that maybe we wouldn't accept it's not their fault do we stop buying from Netflix no of course not like, <laughs> After principle, you're making too much money. I'm just going to sit here, do subtle. Like Disney Plus must be raking it in right yeah. now because everyone's like, "Oh my god, I just." I that was such an amazing timing on that launch. Exactly. You know, it wasn't their fault. Did they go? Oh well, we should probably not do this because everyone might be a bit hacked off us. No, they were like, "Right, okay, great, we can serve our customers." Supermarkets. Tesco yeah. has been in decline for years, and this year, you know, reported yeah. something like seven hundred percent. Yeah. like uplift on, uplift. on profit yeah. you know and I'm like okay, okay so everyone panic bought did Tesco get there and go well we're just going to shut the doors then and, and you know let you only do your weekly shop until we realise no they were like okay well if you want to be silly and have to come and bulk yeah. my toilet bowl and, and whatever knock yourselves out fill your boots like, I think it was something like in a week we spent Three, we, we hoarded three million pounds worth of food that we wouldn't have normally purchased it was it was a crazy amount across the supermarket like had to throw throw it away but but did tesco sit there and go no we're not going to do that no they expanded their employee base they took on employees who were being furloughed from other jobs so that they would have money so they could contribute to the economy are we all stood outside tesco with a picket fence being like you're terrible you shouldn't be making money we shouldn't have to pay for our food no, we're no. not. And, and that's the thing is, nobody made food free when the coronavirus hit. You know, like you're going, I'm going to sell a sales, co- I'm going to do a training course for free. That's yeah. going to help me. You know, like yeah. <laughs> I'm going to teach you how to make really nice Instagram pictures for free. Um, oh, but you still can't feed your children. Oh, well, um, you know, I can't give you free food. Isn't it though? It's like, well, you're not even giving the essentials. But yeah, it's it's been, it's been a very very interesting time hasn't it <laughs> a lot we can learn from it you know if you are selling online the key thing is the world is going to do various things you're going to have recessions. you're going to have pandemics you're also going to have people who tell you that you're wrong for selling you're going to have people who tell you you're right for selling yeah. you're going to have people who like you people who don't like you every single day is going to be different and every single scenario is going to be different if you constantly base your business decision or whether you sell or whether you feel good about them 
on other people's opinions and everything external that's going yeah. on in the world, you are going to be on a roller coaster <laughs> all of the time because yeah. you will never have just no. a good week no. because you're always up and down. So instead, and you can never please everybody. You know, at the end of the day, the most important scenario is 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 how you feel about it and what you're comfortable with, and that should be based on you and your parameters, not those external influences. As you say, your three Fs. I know. <laughs> and let's face it, I'm going to get on a T-shirt. <laughs> E-commerce store and be like, uh, Martin, would you like to run some ads for me? Yeah. <laughs> might not like the explicit language of the ad. Right? <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, if you're not a massive, like, if you're not going out and lying to your audience yeah. and you're going out and you're trying to do the best thing and you're operating... I mean, integrity is the buzzword of the day because everyone says it now. And apparently by saying it, it means you don't have it. And I just think you can't win. Um, (laughs) If you genuinely are holding your principles and your morals in place and you are running your business from that position, you're doing just fine. Yeah. You know, and that's all you've got to focus on. If you're not happy with something in your business and people say this to me a lot, they're like, oh, but my business is great. I don't want to change anything about it, but it's made no money for four years. You know what, like, rather than have to do something poorly about it, just say, do you know what, Jess, I really like what I teach, but people aren't paying me for it. How yeah. can I change that? Because the first step in actually, you know, I'm sat like AA, don't I? The first step in changing something is acknowledge the problem. Yeah. But it's true, you know, rather than going online and, and trying to make out that you're a lot more successful than you are, instead, reach out to people and be like, I need some support. I, you know, what, it, it's a free resource that you need. Great, come and tell somebody and say, like, which podcast episode should I listen to to understand that? Or which YouTube channel should I go watch or whatever? And if you are somebody who's saying, okay, I want my business to pay for me, but I'm not prepared to invest in it, either time, energy, or money, you shouldn't have a business. That's, <laughs> that's, that's like you know? children. That's exactly like a child. <laughs> just don't just don't have it just don't do it I think that's the thing because I speak to lots of people who are like they've got these passive income ideas about what they're going to do with their business and it's like you're not making money putting the time and effort in now um you know everyone would love of course you would like it I'd love to go off horse riding and whilst I'm horse riding you know my business is making me money but you know there's a hell of a, a lot of work involved with getting to that position and maintaining that position Um, You know, it's not like you can put a course out there and expect it to run for years and years and years without anything changing, any updates, you know, and you see these people all the time who are like, oh, I just want to do this and then I'm going to make this and then, insane, insane. It's really interesting though, isn't it? Because people talk about passive income like it's the holy grail and I, you know, I had a year in my business where all I did was set up sales funnels and they were really successful and I I was lucky, you know, I was lucky I got into it at the right time an entire year creating products that I could sell through it and but you spent a year (laughs) I kept telling people I'm like I spent a year doing this are you prepared to spend like sacrifice a year in your business to create 27 sales funnels and the majority of people like no so there you go don't do it Hmm. when we talk passive income and and it being like oh that's gonna be great what we're actually talking about is I want a quick win yeah. I want the easy way. I, I want everything to be easy. And unfortunately, in running a business, like the choice you have made is do something inherently difficult. Yeah. So if you're a person who likes it to be easy, you know, and 
I'm somebody who I'm lazy, so I like it to be simple. I don't. I'm, I'm fine with it not being easy. I'm fine with putting work in, but I like it to be simple. Then don't have a business. Mm. Be an employee. Like it would be much easier yeah. for me to go into a job every day and just sit there and be like, oh, so and so hasn't hit his KPIs again. Well, probably sacking. Like <laughs> you know, that would be yeah. so much easier than me having to spend. You know, my time. I was saying to you before we we hit record. You know. I recorded a virtual talk for Atomicon recently. We had loads of tech issues with it. I ended up having to re-record the bloody thing three times. That was three hours just recording that, then mm. upload it, then doing all the work for it, then promoting the event, then... It's so faffy, isn't it? And that's the thing. I love it, mm. and, and, and that's why I do it, but it's not easy. No. no. It's, it's repetitive. It's manual. It's simple. There's a lot of unsexy elements to running your own business. All the time. <laughs> I, I don't there is anything like sexy I'm like I think the first year of my business my friends basically didn't see me yeah. they were like what has happened to Jess you know I would be taking um sales calls at two o'clock in the morning with people who were in like New Zealand and stuff because I was like right well I can work that time zone right now because I need the money yeah. to do this yeah I would be you know sat up till 10 o'clock at night working on how do I put this copy together for this email learning about email marketing yeah. doing work <laughs> and that's the thing you have to be if you run a business you have to be all the elements of your business i mean i've i I don't bother with hr but you know all the best (laughs) i love being in a business without hr um but you know you've you've got that element of you have to do everything and if you're if you've got weaknesses in your skill set if you've got weaknesses in your mindset running your own business really highlights them you know, yeah. it's it's really, really tough. And I know I know lots of salespeople who've set up their own businesses. They've had businesses on the side because you have to be quite a self-starter, particularly if you've done field by sales. You yeah. have to be a reason to get, you know, the, <laughs> you have to be motivated enough to get out of bed because no one's going to make you. Um, but it's it's still so hard because those weaknesses, you can't be good at everything. And and it's it's patching over and working on those weak bits that actually you'd rather not. I mean, God, I'd have rather. I'd have rather not put a Facebook ad because, crikey, there was a lot of clicking. But, like, well, he bloody didn't do it for me, so I had to. <laughs> I think what we don't seem to realise is that, you know, everyone's always going to give you a sexy version of something. Yeah. It, when you're dating, the person that you date is the sexy version of themselves for a good like year until you find out that actually they're just like everybody else and they you know pick their nose like everyone else or whatever they do I don't know um but it's that kind of thing a lot of people online are trying to run before they can walk when it comes to sales sell one thing you know make a thousand pounds a month then make two thousand then make three thousand don't jump in and be like, oh, my immediate goal is to have a million dollar business by, you know, next spring. Because you're setting yourself up to fail. Like, you really are. Which is so demoralizing. And also wood for trees. And when you create something, don't create something and then try and find an audience for it. You know, understand who your potential customers are. Speak to them. Make it with them rather than consult with them. Don't turn up with a widget one day that nobody wants. Because it's just an absolute disheartening waste of time. And also be practical about this. You know, if you are like me when I started, I had like 10 people that followed me on Facebook. But the reason I did not set up a membership site was because I was like, oh, but these people might pay me £20 a month. <laughs> Great, that's a maximum of, you know, £200. Awesome. My bank manager is going to be so happy about this. 
unless something is going to be your primary business model and you have a large audience, mm. absolutely not is the, you know, it, it, the way forward is not to go low to high volume because yeah. you have nobody to sell it to. To like, sell it to. But, but the like, thing is though again there's so much out there like I've seen so much about memberships at the moment and how even with a small audience you can be generating you know 16 grand launches and it's like how I mean there isn't there that bollocks like it, it's not true I know <laughs> think about it guys like it's, it's not just about getting the people it's about retaining them yeah and that interesting thing for me is that so many people come into this and they're like right I'm going to make passive income so I'm going to set up a sales funnel then I'm just going to run some ads to it and it's just going to work mm. have you you know have you accounted for the amount of people who drop out of the sales funnel have you actually done any testing of that do you know how many people will actually need a call with you to still buy that thing that you thought was passive like then what about with delivery what happens when people forget their passwords and they have to be logged in oh, no because what they're going to do is, is they're going to go to a landing page and they're going to sign up for a 10 grand product brilliant that's what we will do i mean that's what because everybody would logically part with that level of money on a daily basis for something that they haven't even spoken to anyone about and and i think that's the thing is is the expectations and it's like logic loses you somewhere like when you speak to people like the conversations i have with ads where i say to people you know your cost of customer acquisition what's your lifetime customer value and they're like well you know i'd like to make profit on my eight pound book um running ads through it and i'm like (laughs) Like, that happens to me on a regular basis i talk to people who record some of these calls because i would just like, <laughs> like the front the front end i'm like so so you want to make a profit on your book i was like what, what are you selling back end? well yeah but I, I want the book to to make profit and i'm in like okay then then we're not the right people to work with <laughs> harry potter i know i'm like if we could create that level of magic we wouldn't be doing lead generation i'd be you know producing castles for myself and <laughs> people you've got to start thinking about the practicalities in your business and People always say to me, oh, selling to corporates isn't sexy. No, it's not. Like, a lot of the time it's not sexy. It's very simple. It's very manual. It's very repetitive. Do you know what, though? Corporates, on average, in the UK, the average corporate deal is worth £10,000. you know how much the average B2C deal is worth? £1,500. Yeah, so I can do a lot less work to make five times the money and still do it the way that I want. And they can be a lot less hassle. They can be a lot less hassle. And that's the thing. So when people say to me, well, no, I'm going to go and set up a membership and I'm going to charge £19 a month. I'm like, okay, then you must really, really love like answering the same questions day in, day out. (laughs) Which is really sexy. Yeah, and and being at your commuter all the time, 24-7, you can never take a holiday because then people in your membership might feel cheated. You know, it's that kind of thing. You've got to start looking at starting from where you actually are so if you are somebody who's like, right, my biggest priority right now is cash flow, stop yeah. selling, you know, tiny courses or yeah. low-ticket items or, you know, one-off questions or whatever. Don't yeah. do it. They don't work and they're not going to pay you. Instead, go, right, okay, I'm going to sell the all-singing, all-dancing, high-value, yeah, high-value, amazing experience, great potential for case studies and testimonials. Yeah. Testimonials, and case studies, social proof. Exactly. Make my money there, yeah. and then I might go and create a course, or then I might go and create a membership. 
Because by that time, you've actually built an audience that are going to yeah. buy it. You can take the hit. And you've well, proved your value. And then, and then you've got, a, you know, you've got a following of people who then when you actually, you know, you're speaking to your audience, you understand that actually they can't afford me at this price. What can I do to provide them with something that they, they do want? And then that's when you look to do that at a lower level. And that's when you can, but you've, you've got to prove your concept. You've got to, you know, cut your teeth, prove where you are, forge out your audience on those higher ticket, on the, that high impact. Because that's the other thing is, is if people aren't getting that any value from that lower level, which, you know, for that sort of price, they shouldn't be getting that much return because otherwise they should be paying more. Um, then then what you're going to say, oh, so-and-so, she's had a lovely time in my membership and, you know, she's learned to spell a name and she's learned to open a Facebook group. <laughs> you know, like, but, but what else is there? You know, for that level of price, what else can you can you give? I mean, that's the thing is, is when you're talking about... <laughs> free versus that sort of level i'd rather give out lower level you know i'd rather give people who can't afford me um free stuff um and get them to a position where they can afford to pay the one-on-one fees than i would with having that level of expectation on me of having to prove myself how do i prove myself that i can do 20 quids worth of value a month but that is it's that and it's also the fact that can we just all accept that it's okay to for people not to be able to afford you? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm fine with that. I can't afford to, to go and walk into a Ferrari dealership and pay cash for a Ferrari. Yeah. Do I do I hate Ferrari for that reason? <laughs> That's so mean. It's not fair. And like, it's like, like Tesla, why won't they just give me one? I mean, come on. Am I going to set up a hate campaign because of that? No, I'm not like... You know, I know that it's really sometimes it can be awkward to have that money conversation where somebody yeah. says genuinely, "I don't have the money for that right now." It's actually okay for them yeah. to have something that they can aspire to or yeah. that they can stand up for, so that when the time is right for them financially and, and whatever else they need to have in place, mm-hmm. they can invest in it and be like, "Right, I'm really committed to this. I know yeah. I'm going to use it." They're going to make the most of it, aren't they? Exactly. Like, don't worry about it. Just because one person says I can't afford it doesn't mean you should go and immediately discount all of your services and get rid of them and create low-cost stuff. Don't make it work for yourself. And also, that person who, you know, you you can reduce their price and you could lower it to the point where they can afford it, so, you know, the 20, 30 quid a month, and they won't use it. You know, you, you offer them solely the higher ticket items, you know, two grand above, and they're like, when they get to that point, that person will make you can guarantee they will make the most of it but that's the thing i mean we so we did a six-figure launch for a program that we were charging six thousand pounds for and it was great like a good launch you know everybody's really happy um the great thing about it was that the people who weren't ready to invest were like okay what's this going to look like in the future so that we can save up and, and do that and put ourselves in position financially great some of them will do it some of them may not no. because their priorities might change and that's cool the people who jumped in immediately were like right i'm on i'm doing module one i'm doing this they're going out they're they're doing the work they're doing the lead generation they're doing the business development some of them are already seeing proposals go out within a week and they're doing that because they genuinely are like right this yeah. is the all single dancing if i do this and i follow yeah. this process and i do the work I'm going to get the result yeah. I want to get. And so they're investing all of their energy. All of their energy. And the thing is, though, that they have that belief because you've got the evidence that you've done this before. So, you know, 
going away and working with people on higher ticket, on higher value, getting the results, it helps those other people that when they are in a position, they feel confident. And it's the confidence, you know, working with people, it's that confidence that this person knows their shit and, and I'm going to follow what they say because they know what they're doing. 100%. 100 agree. There we go. Well, on that note, love, we have only been talking for nearly three hours. So I'm <laughs> it's like a marathon. Both had our water bottles. And then my, mine's gone. Have you seen the size of my water bottle? It's like a trough. I know, I love it. <laughs> I keep going. My head's not small, it's big. <laughs> I keep, I keep editing myself because I keep finding myself on videos going, it's not my head, it's in the bottle. I don't know why I find that neat. Anyway, um, so <laughs> it has been really lovely to speak to you. I had loads of questions for you that we haven't even covered, but it's just been so lovely to talk through and to, to see. Well, I think this is going to be about three parts as it is, but I'm happy to have you back anytime. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure. And like I say, you know, guys, it's one of those things. If you're listening to Sarah's podcast and you're thinking, okay, I need some sales help, go and contact her. Like, after this conversation, if you've taken nothing else away, learn that a transparent conversation with somebody who actually knows your problem and can at least point you in the right direction and isn't going to give you a hard sell yeah. is worth it it's worth it for the clarity you'll get and it's worth it because you'll have a great time chatting sarah anyway so. <laughs> <laughs> that's it the thing is it's ethical conversations you know and if people aren't ethical that's very much that comes out in the real world it comes out in the online world um you know people shouldn't be pushing you into working with them or doing something with them that isn't going to work both ways because from our point of view i don't like working with people i'm not going to get results for because i don't get the testimonials i don't get the social proof and it's painful um yeah nobody wants you to buy stuff that isn't going to work for you because no. it doesn't end up working for them either like but if you're listening and you're like oh i haven't jumped on a call this area and i do need some sales help go jump on a call it's yeah. a call what's she gonna do you know, like, <laughs> you're like give me your card <laughs> yes it was, I just, it was really interesting martin got a message a few weeks ago going um i just wanted to quick chat with you um they said don't don't speak to sarah speak to you because Sarah's really good at selling and she'll sell me a house or something. She'll sell me something that I that she decides I need. And I was like, Martin, I said to Martin, tell them that I'll only sell them a house if they need a house. <laughs> they need a house because commission on houses is very good. <laughs> now you've mentioned a house, you clearly must need a house. <laughs> well, it's been lovely, love. Thank you very much for your time. They can People can find out more about you. What's the best way? They can go to the website, smartleadersell.com, and you can see all of the cool stuff about corporates that we've got going on. Uh, we even have a link to the podcast there, Sell Into Corporate, because obviously, okay. why would I bother coming up with creative names? For <laughs> I've done that, though. <laughs> Selling without sleeves across the board. <laughs> you can go there and check out the podcast, and then that's where you can hear more about Sell Into Corporates, if that's your jam. Cool. Thank you very much, love. I will speak to you soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Selling Without Sleeves podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you are listening from to leave us a review. It's a good way for us to know what you like so we can create more of it.